What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Welcome to a very special Halloween episode of 30 and Nerdy Podcast. We are uncut. We are partially unedited. And we're a little bit stripped down. Not Whoa. physically. Whoa. 30 and Nerdy after dark. After dark, baby. Yes, I am your host. Your ghost host. The Duke of Nerds, the Sweet Tea of the Nerdy South, the Captain of Content, Tyler Mack. And of course, joined by the co-host, he is the John Carpenter to my Wes Craven. He's the Boris Karloff to my Vincent Price. He's freshly squeezed. He's the juicy one, the doctor of Nerdonomics, Dr. Davis. What's up, Doc? This is Halloween. This is Halloween. As I sit for my... Dead of night? Scream goblet, my ghost face goblet. Yeah. My zero sugar tea. Oh, is it the Milo zero sugar tea? No, it is the gold peak. It is actually real sugar, zero, like real zero sugar, not Splenda. Because I hate the taste of Splenda. I've been uh, doing that old. uh, Milo's yellow label mm. zero sugar sweet tea. It's all right. Yeah, but you can taste the zero. But sugar. like as a as a southern boy, uh, yeah, I could definitely tell a difference. But I'm trying to cut out sugar. But it mm-hmm. sucks because they say that that fake stuff is even worse for you. What's mm-hmm. a boy to do? I don't know. It's it's lose lose. But you know, I really it, I just shouldn't worry about it because it's Halloween. Today's this the one Halloween. day where it's okay to. Have the treat sugar yourself. Ha, ah, get it, treat. <laughs> That's right. We got no tricks in this episode, just treats, no commercial breaks, nothing like that. What? Nice. Just, just talk. And just us. Just us. This is us. So, you know, we had our opening weekend this past weekend of Matilda. I hear great things. Good. Good. And I'll be there. I'll be there uh, soon. Good. Looking forward Good. to it. It went really well with great crowds. The kids are just, and and I plan on saying this to them on Thursday, in circle. But typically in the life of community theater, of of gypsy theater, whatever you want to call it, especially as long as we've been doing it, you do the show. You know, it ends. You move on to the next show. I have to say, for the first time in a long time, this cast, this crew, this show, I could do for a whole month and not get tired of it because it's been so amazing working with this young talent. And I mean, they are just in love with theater and this show. And they're great backstage and they're supportive of each other and they're hard workers and they're, how can I do this better? You know, they're asking the right questions. And, and, and these are like eight and nine year olds yeah, doing this. That's really great to hear because it means that the, uh, the future yes. of theater in our area is in good hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't wait for you to see the, the next generation. The yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, good. But but it went great. Uh, we had great audiences, a lot of laughs, a lot of applause, a lot of um, a lot of wild 
you know, when you're doing this for tech week and all that, it's always a shock when you get in front of an audience because then you're having to pause for laughter, for applause and all that stuff. And it's different. And so you start seeing these kids realizing like it's working this thing I've been doing, it's working and and they're playing off of it and they're getting even more energetic. And, and we did this really cool thing this past Saturday. We had two shows that day and all of us adults secretly got together and all bought candy. And we went all down the Jeff County back hallway, heading towards like those back classrooms. And you know, where you turn to go to the theater, the kids were all out in the commons area, still talking to parents and all that. And Candace kind of kept them mingling up there while all of us got dressed in little costumes and stuff like that and lined up. And your sister-in-law borrowed the, the Bowser costume mm-hmm. and we all had buckets of treats and all that. And the kids had no idea what was going on. So Candace lined them up, said, all right, everybody, let's go down this hallway. And when the doors opened, their eyes just lit up. Because this is the Saturday before Halloween, and when, with Halloween falling on a school night, you're not sure how many of them get to go trick-or-treating since it is on a school night. So, I mean, they all had treat bags, and they trick-or-treated from adult to adult to adult, and it was just really cool. And it kind of brought a tear to my eye because I was like, I remember that that love, that why I love this holiday and why I love this world of theater both at the same time mm-hmm. uh it was really cool uh but we got our last weekend coming up if you're within driving distance and you're listening to this thursday just, night show just catch a flight you know yeah, who cares about driving flight. distance yeah. just start walking <laughs> yeah start walking now you might make it we got a show saturday, saturday thursday night at 7 30 saturday at 7 30 and sunday at 2 30 uber's uh, it's it's been it's been a, a fantastic show and and bicycles yes bicycles uh segways razor scooters those little things that people ride now those one wheel skateboard type things that are automatic hovercraft there's so many ways of transportation that you could get to jeff county high school and see this show and support these kids uh, but it's it's gone great. Um, lawnmower. <laughs> get on your John Deere zero turn and, and make your way for Jeff County, Tennessee. I mean, those things get pretty good they gas do. mileage. They do. They do. But yeah, it's been great, man. And, you know, today being Halloween, uh, work was pretty fun. A lot of the, the, employees dressed up and even you know the owner operator vicky and and uh when i asked brian what he was this morning he said i'm a variant of brian low like okay Okay." what a cop out okay (laughs) he's like "Eh, it's easy i was like but what's different about you today that's not normal brian low he's like i'm not drinking a red bull this morning it's like okay so this brian low doesn't drink red bull he said yeah Okay. Sounds like cool. a cop out to me. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but yeah, it's uh it's my favorite day of the year. Um, you know, the older you get, the the more different Halloween becomes each year. And I had to work most of this one. Typically on a night like tonight, I would be in Knoxville tr- trick or treating with the nephews, but 
I uh, wasn't able to make that happen. So we made do with it. Uh, before we started this recording, uh, we've been watching horror movies all week, me and Maddie. Uh, she's been toughing it out, showing her some of the classics. When I mean classics, I mean like Dead Silence, Darkness Falls, <laughs> some of the stuff I watched in middle school and Why high are you school. Doing this? Why are you doing this, this poor girl? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And hopefully soon we will start the fall of the House of Usher tomorrow. I have been wanting to start that as well. So it's that gives me motivation. Flanagan's last outing with Netflix before he moves over to Sully Prime. Uh, so, And he's been doing some fantastic stuff with Netflix. I loved everything he's done. So we'll get that I haven't heard much about Fall of the House of Usher one way or the other. So Good. Good. I know that David seems to like it. But oh, he loves Flanagan too. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of David, we have a crossover coming soon with them to discuss the sci-fi cult classic "They Live," starring one Rowdy Roddy Piper, and uh, that'll be good. David that'll be Keith cross- too. Yeah, yeah. David Keith is in it. Yes, and uh. uh that will be a crossover Johnny Has the Keys podcast, so we'll be looking forward to that. And then after that, we will be closing out Season 5 with Josh's dream episode. The redemption question mark of Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I don't know how it's going to go, <laughs> but I feel like it's going to be fun either way. So, Yeah, you know? I think it will be. Uh, speaking of fun, you last weekend on your own two weekends ago now, uh, on your own, took a little journey to Chattanooga. Yes, I did. I did go to Chattanooga. It was wonderful. Uh, the Chattanooga comic con C3 as they call it was going on in Chattanooga. Um, this past weekend, I guess it was. And uh, I'd, I'd never been before, so I'm not really quite sure how many years they've been going. I think it's still a fairly newish mm-hmm. uh, convention, but it's definitely a, a growing uh, show that they're doing there. I, it was They had a lot of really great guests. Um, they had a, several people from Star Wars. Uh, the voice of Hera was there. Uh, the voice of... Oh my gosh. Uh, her name is Anna Graves, but um, mm-hmm. she's uh, the Duchess uh, Satine on uh, yes. on the Clone Wars. James Arnold Taylor was there, the voice of Obi-Wan. I, I sat in on a little bit of a panel that they did. Um, I spent a lot of time in a panel with uh, Rachel McFarlane and wow. there weren't a lot of people there. So it was, it really felt like just like a, a conversation with just a, a few people. Um, and, and so she and I spoke directly back and forth a lot and, and she was wonderful. I saw, uh, one of my former students there, he was cosplaying as Luigi. He was a big hit Jalen, oh. shout out to Jalen. Great kid. Um, and, uh, most importantly, I got to, uh, got to interview Mr. Wally Wingert, who, whoa, most whoa, whoa, people- who, who did he play Josh? Uh, 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 it's a riddle that you'll just have to figure out for yourself, Dark Knight. But he, yes, he was the voice of the Riddler, which I was so stoked about. Bane because my existence in those Riddler games. is my favorite Batman villain. 
And I love the Riddler, uh, the Riddlers, the bit, if I could speak, words are hard. I love the riddles on the Arkham games. You, not so much. No. I, I spoke to him about that. And got a riddle that. I'm fine with. It's the 300 freaking trophies you have to find all over the world. You cheated. I They're knew annoying. it. But I was you he was told a, him how I felt. I did. I did. And you're going you're gonna to get to hear it. Oh my. The, I think that's the first thing I said. And he was like, oh, well, where is he today? And I told him you were uh, sacrificing the time at Comic-Con for the arts because you had a big show. You had Matilda. And he said, well, then that he, he is excused for that. So. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, Wally. and he gave me the folks at home won't be able to see it, but you can see it. He gave me this cool magnet with his face on it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty nifty. That's cool. So he was he was a really cool guy. He was telling stories about hanging out with Mark Hamill and and uh, Kevin Conroy and oh, all these these legend. these people. So he was a really interesting guy. We've got a little bit of that recorded that we'll share uh, mm-hmm. with you guys uh, coming up here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might as well just drop that interview right here. So here's the interview. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? Josh here. I am coming to you live from the Chattanooga Comic Con C3. Just got here, and the first thing that I did was go to the media table and find out if I could get an interview with someone that I'm very excited to talk to. It's Mr. Wally Winger. He's a voice actor, and he is the voice of the Riddler, which is what I'm the most excited about. Wally, how you doing? I am doing fine, thank you very much, Josh. It is I, the Riddler. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I called my co-host, Tyler. Uh-huh. Shout out to Tyler. We miss you, buddy. But I called him and I said, I'm about to talk to Wally Winger. What questions do you have for him? And now, he where said, is he today? He is in tech rehearsal for Matilda the Musical. Oh, he's okay. He's playing uh, the Trunchbull. Oh, so he's doing a show. So that, He's that's, doing a show. Okay, he's excused. It's excusable. Yeah, it's excusable. And I'm yeah. a theater teacher, so I have to support it. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, but I said, what, what would you want to say? What questions would you have for him? And the first thing he said was, just where do you get off? Because the least, his least favorite thing in all of the Arkham games is those darn riddles. Yep. You know, uh-uh, Dark Knight. Yeah. He joked about that all the time. It's one of my favorite things because I love the Riddler so much. And I love your portrayal of the Riddler. Thank you very much. So what what sort of influenced your version of the Riddler? What what did you uh, draw from to create this version? That, that's a fun story. Uh, when the uh, audition came out, they, they give you something called a sides, sure. uh, things that are cut from the script of just your character. And then there's a brief description above of basically what they're looking for. And there was so much, always so much confusion between the Joker and the Riddler from the people who don't aren't really super hardcore fans. Right. And they said, we want this Riddler to be completely opposite of Mark's Joker. We don't want any confusion. We don't sound like Mark's Joker at all. So I want it to sound more like a game show host. So I said, okay, I, I kind of get that because he's basically running Batman through all these games as he's going through the video game. So I said, I kind of get that. And he's announcing over the loudspeaker, you know, uh, all, the, all the stuff that he's going to have to encounter. So I said, okay, I kind of get that. So, uh, and they also said something, but I, uh, he believes that every word he says is gold and, you know, chooses words. And I said, oh, I, I know a guy very similar to that, who was my theater director, speaking of theater, <laughs> in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, who will remain nameless, but I think he knows who he is. Uh, he uh, was very pompous 
and chewed on his words and smoked a cigarette and had a really good time hearing himself talk. Right. So he would he would have a cigarette like this. I'm doing a visual here. I'm doing a and he put the cigarette in his mouth and with between the first two fingers he would have a cigarette, but with his ring finger and pinky he would pick his beard. He was a beard picker. He picked his beard all the time, when, especially when he was thinking, when he was directing. So he'd go, I believe we're up to performance quality. And he'd take a drag on his cigarette, <laughs> blow it out, with the possible exception of Wally. <laughs> oh, no. And he, was, he had that kind of sense of humor. He was joking, but he had a very dry sense of humor. But everything he said he thought was just you know, gold. Sure. And it should be, and he just chewed on all of his words. So I said, I'm going to use that. And then there is a villain that I loved in the old show called Wild Wild West. Okay. With Robert Conrad, Michael Dunn, who played Dr. Miguelito Loveless. He was the little guy, if you yes. remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had um, the most amazing way of putting James West in all of these torturous scenarios, hanging him over a vat of boiling oil or something. And he would, as opposed to like a Vincent Price or a Boris Karloff, you know, explain the death trap. I'm going to boil you alive. He wouldn't do that. He had such joy in his work. No, Mr. West, I'm going to boil you alive. Very cheerful. Very cheerful. He loved his work. Yeah. And I said, that's a great other aspect. So I hybrid the two. And it's like, well, Dark Knight, here we are again. I love it. And I'm going to put an end to you once and for all. Isn't that wonderful? And then he'd go into those dark moments, you know. So uh, Colette Sunderman, who was the original director on the Arkham games, uh, would was brilliant at taking certain things and saying, well, let's go dark on this line. And and the, the, the switch that Eddie would have in these lines where he's joyful, joyful, joyful. Do you know what I'm saying? You know, he would he, he just like switch. So that really conveyed his, his manic... And then Crazy. the frustration when uh, the Dark Knight was able to solve the riddle. Right. You know, that should have been impossible. Right. And then, of course, you cheated, yeah. uh, which if you look into Eddie Nigma's history, that's how Eddie Nigma started. It was by cheating. Right. So, you know, they always say you, you hate in others what you hate about yourself. in yourself. Yeah. Yes. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's, you know, he knew he cheated. He wasn't really that smart. He cheated. He looked up the scores before. And so he... He hates cheaters because he really, really hates himself. Let's pause so you can spend time with your guests. Yes, right. clearly my line is so incredibly long. So, uh, <laughs> the Riddler. Uh, so, even though you are known for doing the Riddler, you've also done like Modoc. You've done some Marvel stuff too, right? Yes, uh, I, I've gotten to be um, DC heroes and villains and Marvel heroes and villains, which has been terrific because I was always a comic book nerd right. growing up. Uh, and um, I got to be Green Lantern uh, in a few uh, DC projects, and then of course the Riddler. But I also got to be Ant Man in and uh, Yellow Jacket in Earth's Mightiest Heroes, uh, which was a great series. But also uh, Modok. Yeah. And the Modok, uh, they have brought me back for some of the games too, as well. Yeah. And um, I'm looking at Modok, and I've always known who Modok was, uh, and I'm like, well, he looks like his voice would probably be synthesized, you know, like the people who have the, you know, if they don't voice have a box. voice box, yeah, you know, so it's like, 
I'm going to go over here to get a bottle of water, you know, that kind of thing. So I said, I want to do it kind of like that. So it sounds a little mechanical. And then they added some some tinny quality in post-production. So I am Modog, and you are going to die. Do you feel like it's more fun to do heroes or villains? Oh, villains, by far. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, villains. And that's what, well... That's the thing I liked about doing Ant-Man on Earth's Mightiest Heroes was that he kind of was almost a villain at one point when he was Yellow Jacket because uh, he turned into this, you know, Hank Pym at the end of season one fakes his death so they think that Ant-Man is, is dead and then um, he comes back as this Yellow Jacket character and they don't know it's Pym but he's, he's kind of like more steely now. It's pretty great. So uh, of all the characters... Um, in the uh, Avengers series, I thought that Ant-Man, Hank Pym, had the coolest character arc. Sure. You know, because Hulk is Hulk and Thor is Thor and Captain America, Captain America. But, you know, Pym went, didn't want to fight. He didn't want to fight crime. He was a pacifist. He's a scientist. They said, okay, well, I'll do this. And then he creates Ultron because they got to fight this force that's coming down. So they need the numbers. And then he goes crazy. And then he fakes his death. And then he comes back as this, you know, steely voiced you know, uh, yellow jacket, and they find out it's Pym, and what a great character arc! So I love, I love doing all that stuff. That's positive. All right, I would like to do Ollie some rapid fire, just a couple of rapid fire questions. Just give me the quickest answer that comes off the top of your head. Okay. All right. Uh, Marvel or DC? Yes. Good. Oh, that's a new one. That's a great answer. It's, I approve. Uh, if you could have one superpower in real life, what would it be? The power to heal. I love that. That's, Thank you. Um, if someone were to play you in your life story, who would play you? Weird Al Yankovic. That's wow. <laughs> okay. All right. So the last thing I'm going to ask, Wally, would you say something like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh not so fast." Nerds, uh, this podcast is riddled with fun. This is Molly Winger, and you're listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Oh, that's a lot. Uh, I'll try to remember all that. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, not so fast, nerds. This podcast is riddled with riddles, which you will never figure out, because I, the Riddler, am smarter than you. <laughs> you're listening to Nerdy and 30 and 30 and Nerdy. Which is it? The riddle is yours to solve. I'm Wally Wingard, the voice of the Riddler, and John Arbuckle, and Tallest Red from Invader Zim, and JP from Street Fighter, and many voices on Family Guy. It's nice to be here. Thank you. So I'll explain, uh, if you go to Disney World or Disneyland, there's the big Rise of the Resistance, which is the biggest ride in the history of anything. It's a really amazing experience. Um, and I'm actually the Mon Calamari that takes you on the whole journey. Lieutenant Beck, I have a bad feeling about this. Yes, he takes you on your journey. And um, now, now Tom, Tom Kane, who is the voice of Yoda, and also the announcer of Clone Wars, Crisis on you know, Mandalore. So Tom and I have been dear friends for many years, and we have very similar voices, and we do a lot of similar things because we're 
we grew up with the same love of all these old style announcers, same with Corey Burton. And so the three of us always just kind of share voices, I think. And um, we have similarities. But what I was doing when I came up with that voice, I went into the studio and I met the folks at Disney, Brian Nevsky, who's a, a dear friend, and um, uh, he brought me in and said, we don't know if you're gonna be the voice, we may get a celebrity for this, but we'd like to see what you could do with me as a placeholder and do scratch for this ride. And then I went in and I presented them a bunch of different voices. And uh, John Hurt, who is an amazing actor, um, I was his voice double for the movie Hellboy and for Beowulf and a couple other things. And he has this wonderful voice, this way of talking, and everything was just, you know, Harry Potter, and he does that, right? He leaves the one with the wands. And um, so it was kind of my homage to him, but it was also, it wasn't, it's a trap, you know, and Tom Kane had done uh, Akbar. So he did voice of Akbar. So I thought, it's enough Akbar to where we can believe they're cousins or something. And so that was the, the thought behind it. And I went through all of it and they fell in love. Hopefully, you know, that's our hope as voice actors, that they will fall in love with our scratch track and not replace us with a celebrity. And that's thankfully what happened there. So I, um, but yeah, several people have said, I thought it was Tom Kane, and it was you. And so I'll tell one last story about that ride. The last time I was on, I was with Ashley. And, we, and it was pouring rain and they let us on. And so if you've been on this ride, it's all immersive and they stay in character. The people that are doing it, they're all bad guys, right? And they are looking at you, get in this line, be over there, do that. And they look at us and they, they kind of broke for a second. Over there. Well, that's not bad guys. Uh-uh, not so fast, nerds. This podcast is riddled with riddles, which you will never figure out. Because I, the Riddler, am smarter than you. <laughs> You're listening to Nerdy and 30 and 30 and Nerdy. Which is it? The riddle is yours to solve. I'm Wally Wingard, the voice of the Riddler, and John Arbuckle, and Tallest Red from Invader Zim, and JP from Street Fighter, and many voices on Family Guy. It's nice to be here. Thank you. And now this is us coming back from the interview. Uncut. Unedited. Fun stuff. Uh, I'm glad you had a fun time. Uh, I know that that was a, a, a check off a list for you because Riddler is such a big um, hero of you, yours in the villain world. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I'm glad you also, got to do uh, And shout out to Ming Chin. Also, great guy. No way. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. He was. <laughs> He uh, his table was right next to Wally's. So there was a little stretch of time where I had to cut the recording off so Wally could uh, greet the people who were there to yeah. get autographs and stuff. And so I, I just had a chair pulled up next to Wally and I sat there and he did his thing. And Ming Chen walks up. He goes, hey. <laughs> and so we just we just started talking. We talked about Bucky's a lot, actually. Well, I mean, and when if you, you meet one of the if, comic book men. Well, actually, if you go to his Instagram, he posted a video um, from C3 showing off his table. And then Emily Swallow, who was the armor in the Mandalorian, she was on the other side of him. So uh, across wow. from where I was. And she's in the video. If you watch real carefully, he 
moves his phone up across the table to the other side, and you can see me sitting there in Ming's video. So you're so. like friends now. Oh yeah, we're we're buds. Yeah. That's I invited awesome. him to Dollywood, but he couldn't go. Ah. Yeah. Maybe next time. Yeah. Maybe next time. Well, that's awesome, man. Yeah, it was a great time. So shout out to Chattanooga Comic Con. Thank you so much for uh the the invite and allowing me to come down and, and hooking me up with the interview with Wally. Uh it's a great show and I hope to come back again next year. And I'm sure that next year's show will be even bigger mm-hmm. and better. So absolutely. Good luck to you guys. Absolutely. So uh, we had a discussion <laughs> via text that you were having uh, some trouble with a certain show that's on Disney plus right now. Um, oh, good grief. Understanding it. And I don't want to talk it through with you. Uh, well, you may have to. We had a, a pretty big episode four recently of Loki season two. Uh, mind blowing, mind boggling. Um, but the more mind blowing thing right now is just the time in general for you. Yeah, I, I just I'm not smart enough to <laughs> understand this show. Uh, the 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 loki um zapping loki did that not happen yes spoilers whatever yes i didn't understand that walk which one was i supposed to be missing which so, one was the surprise the loki that got zapped is the loki from episode one okay remember in episode, episode one, one of this season of this season when he's walking to the elevator, for some reason, sees Sylvie, the phone's ringing, and he gets and pruned. Then he, yes, okay. The person who pruned him was... Was him. Was him, because he knew he had to get Loki back. Because remember when he was like, when you're time-slipping, we have to prune you while you're time-slipping to get you back to this timeline. So he then knew... Oh my God, this is the moment where I got pruned. It's me. I have to prune past me to get me. So back. it's kind of like when Harry Potter had to cast the yes. Patronus to save himself because yes. he knew he could do it because he knew he'd already done it. Yes. Or whatever. Okay. I yes. get it now. The epicness that was the that episode four, which we still have like two, three episodes left. Yeah. Which is which is what's crazy is Victor Timely has his hero moment at the end where he is going to get in the suit and he is going to take this thing that's going to fix the loom and going to increase it so that these branches don't ex- implode. Well, the second he walks out, he's spaghettied, just like Mr. Fantastic, just like that one variant of Ant-Man is in Ant-Man 3, spaghettied. Yeah. What I think that is... Tell me to stop and slow down if you need me to. Okay. Thank you. So you have he who who remains that we saw yeah. at the end of last season. He and knows. He's dead. He know he knew everything. He knew what started the multiversal war. He start all this stuff where he wanted He had a script and everything. Yeah, he had a script and everything. There's also the Easter egg of Ouroboros, which yes. is the snake eating itself. Never ending yes. Never ending cycle of time. 
and I still think he's a king variant. The multiversal war making it too that he's talking about, he never said when it was. This is it. This is the multiversal war Coming that's up. about to happen. So he knew Sylvie would kill him. He knew what, what Sylvie would do, that it would send Loki time-shifting. He knew that Victor Timely would get brought into it. The first essence aura is Victor Timely. He knew that he had to get Victor Timely to the loom. And when he spaghettis, that is the creation of the Kang variants going off to different timelines. The spaghettiing of Victor Timely creates all these Kang variants that will be in the multiversal war. That will be the big Avengers crossover movie that's coming soon. So I think. In that, we are in an Ouroboros. It's just this ever-going timeline. Mm. And it always ends with he who remains meeting Sylvie and Loki being killed as the last. And then sends them back to meet OB, back to meet the Timely. The Avengers are going to have to figure out how to to stop stop the the time loop. Yes, they're going to have to stop the cycle. That's my theory. And I know that in a recent interview, uh, one of the guys working on this big multiversal war movie, the the Kang movie and the Secret Wars and all that stuff, mm-hmm. said that this war will not be one big movie. And it won't be like in Endgame where it's all happening on a plane. Everybody is all together facing these Kang variants. It will happen all over the place, all at the same time. Yeah. So you might not see Hugh Jackman's Wolverine with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, but technically they're in the same war. It's yeah. all ha- everything, everywhere, all at once, basically. So that's my theory. And that's yeah. why this season is so crazy is because it's technically what we think is the end of this Loki story coming up is actually the beginning of the story that He Who Remains was telling. What do you feel about this idea that Loki's going to be the person running the TVA when it's all over? Well, there's these comic series, if I remember correctly, where he like becomes good and he's like an agent of time. And I, I didn't read them. I just know of them. We did a Loki breakdown a couple of years ago. We did. We and did. I don't I don't remember that coming up. Um where he is no longer a villain and he is the hero and he's like ever present in every timeline. So yeah, it. Uh, I think it could quite possibly be this, this where we end is this, this ever present somewhat hero Loki running the TVA and keeping time sacred. Well, I think he's got to be a hero from this point on. I don't oh, think there's yeah. any way that they could go back and, yeah, make him a actual villain that people want to see. I also thought it was wild taken down. How Miss Minutes and uh, Renslayer killed all those people in that box. Oh, bro, that was brutal. It was like you don't even have to show it. My mind is is creating all this. 
the jaws effect like you don't have to show me the shark um, my mind's playing doing it all on my on its own it was yeah. baffling yeah baffling i was whoa okay they're all gone now that was one of the most disturbing mcu like things that we yeah. had yeah that was, was dark because the audio played <laughs> you're like Ugh. crunch all. pop <laughs> it was brutal brutal squish um cicero <laughs> i uh i'm enjoying it and you're not you're not and it's not that i'm not, not in the minority there's a lot of confusion going on right now Hopefully. time travel is just always weird for me it's tough it's it's a slippery slope the time travel storyline and stuff like that so i think these next couple of episodes will really explain everything and bring it all together and we probably will have another cliffhanger finale uh and not necessarily saying oh there's going to be a loki season three but then we start moving into the movies into the bigger picture into the bigger picture and mobius and loki and they'll all be involved in the movies in this bigger multiversal picture that's that's what i think i think so i agree so yeah what are your all thoughts? Please let us know. I know a lot of people were kind of mind blown because also the timeline blew up at the end of last, the last episode. And there's this beautiful moment with all shots of each person that's standing in the loom. And mm -hmm. Hiddleston's doing that Hiddleston thing where he's not saying a word, but that single tears in his eyes. And he's, it's almost like that infinity war moment. Like, Oh God, what? And what an evolution of Loki that we've had mm -hmm. who, you know, a narcissist and mm -hmm. kind of ruthless. And there's also no this, mercy. And now look at him. This somewhat metaphorical visual that they showed is like, cause you've got this bridge that leads out to the thing that would help the loom and an explosion. It also kind of draws back to when they're on the rainbow bridge at the end of Thor and it blows up mm -hmm. and Loki's lost. Like, so there's almost like this like traumatic image I could imagine playing in Loki's head of like, Oh God, I've seen this before the bridge and this explosion. And, and so I, I think that, that it's been really, and, and I'm just as, as I'm, I'm more shocked than I'm able to uh, keep up. Personally, um, I think one episode I had to rewatch because I was like, okay, I'm going to have to analyze that again. But I don't know. Um, I'll be I'll be anxious to see what the next couple episodes bring us, and we mm, will discuss yeah. it when it happens. Maybe I just, I'm going to rewatch it. Uh, this most recent one before uh, the the new one, which will be Thursday. two days from now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll uh, I, once I watch it again, I'm sure I'll I'll do better with it. Just in the moment, I'm trying to just you know take it all in fresh, mm -hmm. and I'm not really thinking hard about what does this mean, what does that mean. I'm just trying to see what happens. So I'll give it another go. Go, cool, cool, cool. So. Uh... You know, at, at the uh, 
what's what's next on our list? Discussing uh, the studio. Studio. Yes. Uh, um, studio 66 is still in, in this this evolving, changing thing. Uh, we are currently working on the website, um, working with our media uh, director, Patrick, uh, and he's he's doing some fantastic things, helping helping me out with all that stuff. Uh, so hopefully by the end of this week, uh, early next week, the website will be fully operational for Studio 66, and we'll have all the the links and all the information that uh, we want to get out there, uh, including the about all three shows. Um, but speaking of one show in particular, uh, if if you've started listening to Between Two Barrels um, out there, and if you haven't, I, I definitely recommend it because there's some some great uh, stuff in there. Uh, this whole month, we've been focusing on urban legends and cryptids and and ghosts and all that stuff. Uh, highlighting this month, uh, mainly stuff that happened within the state of Tennessee. And, I mean, we've talked about the haunted theaters like the Orpheum in Memphis, the Ryman the in Nashville, the Bijou in Knoxville. We talked about that. Yeah. We talked about the Tennessee Wildman and Sasquatches. We talked about, had Cousin Timmy on, who, who we both know mm-hmm. um, from the Pigeon Forge Theater world to talk about his ghost hunts that he's done. And... Uh, running a haunted house for so many years that he did so we got to see both sides of the of the spectrum with cousin timmy we had uh mike howard on uh who previously known as dj mike howie here at the 39 at the 30 and 30 podcast um he uh he talked about being a member of the east tennessee ghost seekers and some of their investigations and stuff they've caught uh it's and we talked about some cherokee cryptids and lore of this area like spearfinger very terrifying it, stuff did uh did cousin timmy on or off the air happen to talk about the whole mckamey manor manor uh deal uh we did not bring it up i know he had some thoughts on it <laughs> um he he had mentioned it like offhand that uh he he talked like it was uh kind of blasphemous and an outrage that yeah. it's basically a way for this guy to torture humans yes but this yes. guy is mental mentally ill yes i have not watched the documentary yet I'm, I'm afraid to that it might piss me off and why are we not arresting this human being oh, well because, because he gets people to sign this paper yes and really you can't prove apparently that he's doing anything illegal, but he openly admits it and says all the yeah. time. But what we do is not technically illegal. Uh, I have not watched the documentary, the Hulu one, but there's a YouTuber named Reckless Ben who does a lot of uh, like, I'm going to take this down. I want to take that down. And he got this hard drive, apparently that the McCamey Manor guy did not want people to have any, you know, they, he didn't want the information getting out. And apparently he's got it. So I'm, I haven't heard Ooh. anything else about it, but yeah. Yeah, he did like a 50-minute video about the whole process of him getting his hands on it. It's pretty The crazy thing about it is literally just down the road from us. 
Yeah. That's the scary That's, part. Yep. Literally an hour's drive. And there's people out there who like defend him. Yeah. Um, you know, it's sort of in the video that I was watching, the reckless Ben guy, it sort of seems to me like it's almost like a cult. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's people who defend it like, oh, well, you know what you're getting into when you go do that. But I don't know. I don't see why you would want to do that. I mean, he there was a story about this one guy that got um, they like chained him to a truck and dr- uh, drug him across a gravel road. Jesus. Yeah. No, for me, that, that's not worth $20,000. No. But is there a number? And the dude works at Walmart. The dude who runs this whole thing, he works at Walmart. And then people think that they're going to somehow, you know, endure this experience and uh, get $20,000 from him. He can keep going. Like he can push it as far as he wants to. That's the, that's the, the sub clause that people aren't realizing is it's not over till he says it's over. So you're never going to win the 20 grand. He will win somehow. That's the the very troubling aspect of it. Well, one of many. Yeah, one of many troubling aspects. So we won't say you know much more about it, but if you don't yeah. know what we're talking about, you can look it up. It's all over the place. The McCamey Manor, it's pretty messed up. So it is. Um, so we closed out today, uh, the month of October. Today's episode of Between Two Barrels, we discussed probably the biggest urban legend to come out of the state of Tennessee, the Bell Witch. Yeah, I know a lot about that. And we had were fortunate to have an interview with a uh, performer, ventriloquist, uh, who lived in Adams, Tennessee for years and actually got to know the descendants of the Bell family and hear firsthand stories from them so uh we are going i am going to pull some of that interview from the episode of between two barrels so you will also get to hear that interview at the end of this episode about the bell witch from buford's aka Stephen knowles uh discussion with the family member and his time living in adams tennessee um it's it's some interesting stuff. I personally have never like went there and and I just know that it's it's almost it's one of the few places in Tennessee that it's almost like it's not allowed itself to be touched by modernization. It's still very rural, very small. Not a lot there. And I think it's very very telling that it stayed that way kind of trapped in time. And that's where the Bell Witch story happened. So it's very interesting. Um, but before we get to that interview, you talked about you, you've recently purchased a new video game. And you've been playing it. Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2. It is uh, the new Sony exclusive uh, mm-hmm. Spider-Man game. They started that first one was like 2018, I think. Uh, solo Peter Parker game, and then they did a Miles Morales sequel spinoff, and mm-hmm. now we've got this one, Spider-Man Two, and it is 
outstanding. It's a beautiful uh, game. I know there's a lot of people out there playing it. It's there's talk that it's already uh, going to be game of the year. Um, if you are a Spider-Man fan, guaranteed 100% you will enjoy this experience. Um, it's really not that different. If you play the other two games, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, and I can't speak a lot to the story because I'm only about halfway through. I'm going through. I'm one of those side mission guys. Like I want to get all the extra stuff, all the bonus stuff, the extra suits, yada, yada. But there's so many suit options that uh, like they've got the end of the Spider-Verse costumes and it really looks like the animation. It's like you're watching the movie and you're controlling it. Really good. They've got some of the old classic, like the suit that I have on right now, it's the Venom black suit, but it's got like the the blue tint to it. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that little blue glow yeah. with the, blended with the black from like the, uh, the symbiote suit. So I'm, I've got that suit. So it's it's a lot of fun. Great story. You can switch between Peter and Miles. They both have their own separate oh, cool. abilities. They have shared abilities. Um, so it is great. And um, there's all kinds of like TikToks going on right now about, did you know this about Spider-Man 2? Did you know that you can do this? So big. It's a huge open world, New York City, lots to do. And really... I will find myself not even playing a mission or, or fighting any bad guys or anything. I'm just having fun swinging around and doing tricks and stuff. And I just sort of get lost in it because it just feels so real and so smooth. So they really knocked it out of the park on this one. And like I said, I'm not done with it yet, but I'm hoping that there'll be something at the end that leaves it open for them to continue this series. At least one more. Cool. Or maybe two or three. <laughs> but I highly recommend it, Spider-Man 2. I am to, in two days on our next payday purchasing my first video physical video game that I have purchased since that poor Avengers game. Oh yeah. Released. I uh, Alan good. Wake Two is finally out. Yes, okay. I've seen the trailers. Oh, so I've I seen a little bit. We'll definitely be keeping the Nerdiverse through this podcast updated. So that on what system is that on? Xbox uh, One. Xbox, yeah, Xbox One. Um, the the first game you've heard it me talk just gush on it on multiple episodes of this podcast i have played it and played it and played it and played it and played through it so many times it's got such a great replayability with with me personally um i am so stoked to get started on the second game it looks so good and uh, i just i love this universe that's kind of been built uh within the alan wake universe because also technically in the same universe is uh quantum break that one game i told you about that's like that. live action movie and video game yeah um and a couple other games technically are in the same that's the universe. one with Iceman. yeah from x-men yeah. in it yeah and little fingers marietta brandy buck is in it and star studded the the late uh lance reddick's in it um so uh i'm excited man i'm really excited for alan wake too um, other than that, 
I think I think that this is a this is a, been a nice little first uncut, unedited, raw episode. Those are a lot of adjectives. Dirty and nerdy raw. Ooh, mm. uh, you have well, to rethink that one. <laughs> Thank that one. Uh, before uh, we close out with this interview about the Bell Witch. Uh, I do have to give a huge shout out to uh, some of the cast who have of kids who have put two and two together and started listening to 30 and nerdy Canon being one of them. Um, huge shout out to you guys. You guys are fantastic. Love sharing the stage with you. Uh, thank you for supporting the podcast and thank you for being awesome kids. Uh, and uh, we'll we see. Love you awesome weekend. kids. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because if and you're I'll be there too. Kid, you could be a non-awesome kid. We don't want that. We don't want non-awesome. Non-awesome kids are not awesome at all. Not awesome at all. Absolutely not. Well, Juice, anything else on your mind on this Halloween night? Happy Halloween to everyone out there. Uh, be safe. Be responsible. Don't decrease the population. Don't increase the population. Stay out of the newspaper, stay out of jail. And if you can't stay out of jail, assert dominance quickly. Good night, everybody. <laughs> For the love of God, don't light the black flame candle. <laughs> yes, especially not that. All right, nerds and nerdettes, be cool to yourselves, be cool to others. And as always, cheers to you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are joined today by Buford from hillbillies in the holler i'm going to actually give him an opportunity to go ahead and give you all the socials and uh, links and everything out for that um, but as you know we are culminating our month-long tribute to the supernatural of tennessee uh, with the bell witch so buford i'm going to actually turn it over to you, you and let you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your ties to the family and to the area okay well um as you said i'm buford from hillbillies in the holler if you're not already following the holler please do so you can go to uh, youtube and look up hillbillies in the holler you can also find us on tiktok and um on the facebook and we're all over that inner tube um and we do sketch comedy. We've got a weekly podcast called the Hillbillies in the Holler podcast, which is on podcast platforms and on YouTube as a video. And then we have uh, we do a lot of sketch comedy and we also do travel videos called Straight Out of Boogertown. And um, so, uh, but yeah, I used to live before I moved up to the Smokies about 30 years ago, I used to live in Springfield, Tennessee, had a farm there, which my family still has. Um, and uh, uh, my father's the election commissioner there in, in Robertson County. Um, and uh, so I, I lived there for quite a few years and, and ran a farm and with my family and, and uh, knew uh, a lot about having grown up in that area in, oh, further down towards Nashville. But I knew all about the Bell Witch and heard about it growing up. But once I moved up to Springfield, I actually got to know some bells. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times with urban legends, people always say, well, I heard from a friend, 
but you never know who that friend is and you never know what the connection was. And they've probably heard it from a friend, from a friend, from a friend, but I actually did have a friend and he was a descendant of John Bell. And uh, he told me a personal story that actually happened. So this isn't, this part is an urban legend stuff. This isn't, I heard it from a friend, from a friend. This one I got from at least the, the, uh, you know, great, great, great grandson of the horse's mouth. Um, right. But uh, for those who are not familiar with the Bell Witch story, it is a conflagration of a lot of different things. We don't really know exactly what happened or when it happened. We have a lot of great stories. Right. Um, it uh, happened in the early part of the 19th century. The Bell family, as the story goes, were attacked by an unseen force that started out by throwing rocks at the house and then pulling bedclothes off people in the middle of the night and basic poltergeist kind of stuff as we know it today. But of course, back then there was no such word for it. Nobody knew. And so they called it a witch, even though in our way of thinking, it's not a witch. It's not a person right. at all. It's some sort of spirit, um, allegedly, but, uh, the, all the really good stories we have come from uh, uh, the, the book that was written in 1880, which is 60 plus years after the events um, of the story uh, by uh, Ingram um, uh, was the author's name. Uh, but uh, what I was telling my co-host as far as being the quote unquote unofficial Bible of the, the Bell Witch story. Yeah. Ingram's book is basically the, the, the unofficial Bible of the of the story um there is a little bit of uh contemporary documentation there was a journal entry written by a guy coincidentally named john arbell no relation who had gone through port royal which was what the town was called at the time adams tennessee uh back in 1820 and he had heard stories about a girl who uh, had a voice that accompanied her places and this voice wanted her to marry a certain boy. And he at the time, and a lot of people at the time, chalked it up to ventriloquism. Interesting that you have me on the podcast. I was about to say. Because not only do I know a lot about the Bell Witch, but I'm also a professional ventriloquist. It's really funny how a lot of this stuff ties back in uh, because this all, I mean, it, it changed this instance and the stories that grew up around it. Uh, you know, um, I have a, a degree from Belmont University in literature and history. And I, one time I was writing a history paper about who killed John F. Kennedy. And my professor told me afterwards, he, he didn't like the paper very much, didn't give me a great grade. And he told me, he said, as a historian, it doesn't matter who killed Kennedy. What matters is what effect it had on history and on our country and so from the bell witch thing whether it happened or not really not important what is important is how this story has impacted our culture in a lot of ways because it was this and it was and this was not the only instance of some sort of spirit at the time period this is just the most famous one but there was um ventriloquism goes back to the time of the bible if not before that and it was often used by um, priests and priestesses to make the gods speak so that um, they could, you know, interpret the will of the gods. And so the supposition, if you're going from a completely rational, there is no paranormal 
is that Betsy Bell and others like her figured out how to do ventriloquism and how to use this voice to trick people around them. And this created, number one, a belief uh, that led to the spiritualism movement, but it also led magicians of the 19th century to go, man, these people are falling for this, and to adapt ventriloquism into their act as a method of contacting the spirits. And then this grew into the modern art of ventriloquism that we have, all of this coming out of stories like Betsy Bell in the early 19th century. Wow. Yeah. Um, now, if you're going to go from a completely rational standpoint, total skeptic, there is no paranormal, that's probably what it was. It was probably a young lady who figured out ventriloquism and was using this to manipulate people in her life. Um, and then as time went on and the telephone game got played, those stories got bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the 1880s, this book was put out that encapsulated seeds of truth and a lot of um, telephone game extrapolation. Like the whole story that's in the book about uh, Andrew Jackson coming to witness the yep. Bell Witch. We have no other documentation of that trip except in that book. Right. Like I had uh, watched a video where a historian said, I've looked through Jackson's journals and I have found no recollection, no entry where he's been. If that time. had happened, you better believe he'd have written about it because the story is probably one of the most dramatic stories in the book. Um, Jackson allegedly is riding up to Adams to see what the whole brouhaha is about. And his wagon wheels stop. The wagon will not go. The horses can't even drag it. It's just stopped. And they take the wheels off, try to figure out what's wrong. And then finally they hear the voice of the witch saying, well, uh, Colonel, I think he was a Colonel at the time, but if you're going to come, just come on. And then the wheels loosened up and they were able to come. And then they get up there and, and they had brought a witch hunter with them, which again was not really a thing at the time. And this, or not in this type of situation, but this witch hunter supposedly was mouthing off and then his nostrils flared as if someone had stuck their fingers up his nose. And he was led on his tiptoes to the edge of the yard where he was thrown and hit the ground running and ran and no one ever saw him again. Now, does that sound like a great story or does that sound like something that really happened? Right. Yeah. Sounds like a great story. And, th and that's the kind of thing, you know, that like happens in all of these telephone game instances. Man, I knew a guy one time that he tripped and uh, and and busted his toe and 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 the next, you know, he got gangrene and died. And then the next time I hear it, it's a man, this guy tripped and his leg fell off and he bled to death. And man, this guy tripped and his leg fell off and then an eagle swooped down and carried it away. I mean, it just, it gets bigger and bigger right. with each retelling. Now, if we're going to go from a paranormal standpoint that, we, that we're going to accept that the paranormal is possible, that there are forces that we cannot reckon with, et cetera. Another great theory that I have heard is that John Bell Sr. was uh, acting inappropriately towards his daughter and coming into her room at night. And the neighbor who had a beef with him had sent her slaves over to throw rocks at the house. And when this happened, it scared John away from the bad things he was doing. And the next time he went to do those bad things, Rocks were thrown at the house, but there was no one outside throwing them. Because as we know in paranormal theory, 
Poltergeists are very often centered around adolescents, especially adolescent girls, because a poltergeist does all the things that a child does throwing a tantrum. It throws things, it breaks stuff, it all of this stuff. And so the theory behind this is the poltergeist was generated by Betsy's subconscious mind through telekinesis. She's unaware that she's even doing it. And it and in the stories that you read in the Ingram book, the spirit apparently hated John Bell and hated Betsy, you know, rape victim grief. It, she's going to hate herself and her father. And then it loved her brother and it loved her mother. So the spirit acted out all these things that you would expect this, uh, you know, victim of incest to have gone through. Now, I don't necessarily think that's true. I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anybody who's been dead for 203 years, but um, uh, it's just another theory. And it was put forth in the 2007 film, An American Haunting, with uh, uh, Donald, Donald Sutherland Sutherland. playing yep. John Bell, which was, it was a really good movie. It was, it was well done. Now, the story that I have um, comes from this descendant of uh, the uh, Bell family who um, is, he's passed away now, but uh, I knew him well when I lived there and, and, uh, he personally told me the story. I had heard it through the grapevine and I went to him and said, okay, is there any truth to this? And he said, yeah, there's truth to it. Um, you know, the spirit disappeared in 1820 when John Bell died. It's the only instance in American history where a person is believed to have had their life taken by a paranormal entity. He supposedly drank something and the witch took uh, his medicine and the witch took uh, uh, credit for it and said, I killed him with his medicine and um, <clears throat> said she disappeared after that, said she'd come back in seven years. She came back in seven years and uh, then said that, uh, you know, she'd come back years later or whatever. And he said that over time, there's been little things that have happened, nothing major. Uh, but when he was, his mother was uh, in her late eighties or so and bedridden and had to be watched all the time. Somebody was always there caretaking her. So uh, he goes to the store, left his mom alone for just a little while, ran to the store to get something. He came back in and he went to check on his mother. And she said, what were you doing downstairs? He said, well, mom, I've been gone. I ran to the store for a few minutes. And she said, well, somebody was down there doing something with the dishes. And he, and he told me this personally. He said, I went down there and he said, every bit of the china had been taken out of the china cabinet and stacked up on the dining room table like a house of cards. Mm. He said, I don't know how anybody did it. And he said, it was really hard to take it apart without breaking everything. Because it was bone china, right? Huh? Because it was bone china, right? Bone china, yeah. I was young. Yeah. I, I watched a video this morning of someone telling that story, that exact well, story. I have and that I'm, from the horse's mouth. I got that one from the guy it actually happened to. So it's not it's not part of the urban legend. It, it happened. We don't know how it happened. Somebody could have broke in the house. Don't know. But, you know, it. it uh, that one I've got. And, and he actually played his ancestor in a play that they did there in Adams a few years ago. Um, that, that it was, the gentleman's name was Carney Bell. He owned the uh, funeral home up there. Um, and in a situation where in that play, they try to have someone from the Bell family as well as the Bats family. Uh, 
I don't know if there's any batches still up there, but I, I don't know. I the I knew Bells, but I didn't know any batches. But and that's another thing, the the whole Kate Bats thing, you know, you'll see, and this is the, the problem. So many people are so sloppy about the way they do these types of stories. And so you get, you know, I'm gonna tell what's what's interesting and fascinating, but not necessarily what I can prove. And that's how these things get out of uh, just get totally out of hand. Uh, because I was watching a video the other day about it, and they said that the this, the Bell Witch was supposed to be the ghost of Kate Batts. Well, Kate Batts was still alive. <laughs> she wasn't dead. She she lived several years after John uh, Bell died. And so, but you'll see it just these half-truths and, oh, I heard, or I'm just going to go off of what I think. And it's not, you know, what, what can you document? Right. There's so, and there's even, there's a lot of, um, I mean, it, it is middle Tennessee, especially it is our, uh, it is our, uh, uh, big urban legend. It's the biggest, uh, and probably one of the first, uh, quite frankly, uh, because it goes back so far and it's been extrapolated over. So, and so many people have supposedly had instances, they were supposed to have been a story. And again, I've heard this third hand and I've seen it written, but again, not with any real documentation, like it happened to this person on this day at this time. But supposedly there was a woman who worked for the historical uh, commission there who was driving through Adams with her son. And he made a joke about the bell witch. And she said, there's no such thing as the bell witch. And the car died and we're in the middle of the road and they couldn't get it started again. They had to call a tow truck. And when they got it to the shop, it started right up and there was nothing wrong with it. Actual. <laughs> So uh, uh, influence from the witch or just happenstance coincidence. Now, a guy that uh, I know who's actually a state representative uh, here in Tennessee, who's a, uh, from that area and is an expert on the, the story. He was, he was on a documentary uh, a few years back that was on the history channel. I think that they did about the bell witch and he was standing on the side of the road. I could take you right to the place where he was. I know where he was. And there's, in the woods behind him is the old cemetery that John Bell is buried in. Every time he would start talking about the cemetery, the audio was going out. So he'd say right behind me. And it was, and, and they kept going over and over and over again. And, and I talked to him about it afterwards. He said, he said, I don't know what was going on. He said, they've took everything apart, tried to figure out what was wrong, put everything back like it should. And it worked perfectly until he started talking about, John Bell's grave, and then it went messy. Again, that's not an urban legend. I've seen that now. Mm -hmm. Right. Were the producers just trying to make their documentary a little better? Uh, You know, could be. That's the thing. You cannot get to the truth, unfortunately. There's so... Too much time has gone by. You know, it's like an old cold case murder. You know, you get past... Mm -hmm. A certain amount of time you just never the people who were there aren't here anymore you're not going to get to the bottom of it this needs to be the sole purpose for time trail yeah just yeah. to be able to go back and <laughs> solve <laughs> mysteries that's one thing that we actually said was it, it, when we are able to invent time travel perfectly having a podcast about going back and witnessing what actually happened Oh, and I telling know. Wouldn't the that truth. be amazing? Oh. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing? 
You go, well, okay. So we went to uh, we went to Constitution Hall there uh, in Philadelphia mm-hmm. on March, uh, I mean, on July the fourth, seventeen seventy six, and it turns out nobody was there. Nobody was there. No, <laughs> a lot of them had signed it the day before. Yeah, it was yeah. dated July fourth, but yeah. yeah. It was post-dated. Um, we look, and it doesn't look anything like the painting that's been on the. the yeah, you know, none of them were actually books. dressed that way. It's weird. They were all in shorts. Yeah, and yeah, half of them <laughs> didn't have their powdered wigs on. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, one of the big things today is a lot of, you know, like ghost hunting shows go to the Bell Witch Cave, that I guess is close by. It's on the property. Yeah. It's on the family property, uh, but it was not. I don't. I don't even know that they used it for even like for cold storage or anything. I don't know. Um, but uh, it is close by, and it's creepy. So it's been latched onto as a part of the story. But yeah, that there's nothing about it in any of the books or any of the contemporary reports that are, that are there. Um, it just happens to be a cave, and as you probably know, I mean that's right on the border of Kentucky. Kentucky is mostly cave. I mean, that part of the country has just got tons of subterranean mm-hmm. caverns. And so it's not a big deal that there's a cave there at all. Um, now, there is one building that is still standing that was a part of the Bell Farm. And ironically, it was it's one of the slave quarters, which is funny mm-hmm. that of this grand family farm, the only thing that's surviving is one of the most humble buildings. But it sits behind. There's a. There's a. Uh, it used to be a school. It's a uh, uh, antique mall now, I think. But uh, there's the, the the old school building is there, and there's a historic marker out on the road that is the only historic marker in the United States that commemorates a paranormal event, as far as I know. Um, and it tells a very brief version of the the story. But if you drive out behind the school, the cabin is there, and Oh, it's been 25 or more years ago. They were having a Halloween festival there. And um, I was asked to come and tell ghost stories. And we set it up in the log cabin. So we had hay bales on the floor for the children to sit on. And we were standing at one end. And we had put up uh, hurricane lanterns all around the room. So we had a nice firelight and everything. It was cool looking. All right. So we were in there in the afternoon setting everything up, putting the hay bales in and getting everything ready for the kids that night and it was just me and a friend of mine standing there and it was a gray dismal day but there was no wind or anything and the door was about halfway open and i said to my friend just jokingly wouldn't it be funny if that door just slammed shut right now Hmm. and when i said that it moved about an inch and then rocked back to where it had been and we looked at each other and went, well, wasn't that fun? And we went back in the school building where the rest of the uh, festival was going on. And then later that night, when they were we were getting ready to do the storytelling, we went out to light all the lanterns before the kids got out there. So I had a lighter and I lit the, it was a hurricane lamp, you know, with the glass bulb and the little brass, you know, mount the, where the wick is. So I lit it, put the globe on, turned around, lit another one. I turned back around, and the wick had gone down on the one I had lit first. So I turned it up, and I turned my back to do something else, and I came back, and it was down again. <laughs> and I thought, that's weird. So I turned it back up, and I sat and I watched it. 
turn itself back down. And I went, you know what? That's a perfect level of light. I think we'll leave it right there. Yeah. And <laughs> we did this, we did the storytelling and we got done and it was fun. We had a good time. The next, that was on uh, the 30th. Uh, the next night was Halloween. And uh, we were over, uh, we had a Halloween party at the home of the people who had organized the festival. And I told that story then. I didn't tell anybody about it when it happened. And she said, well, those were my oil lamps. And we got them all out and tested them all. And they all functioned properly. Hmm. So, <laughs> I don't know. That's my own personal little brush with the Bell Witch. Only because it happened on the property. But, uh, but right. yeah. Well, Buford, we definitely appreciate you taking some time out of your vacation. Uh, enjoy taking oh. the kids later to House Mouse. Oh, listen, we uh, we have been here for, we got here Saturday. So Sunday we went to the Animal Kingdom and we had uh, one of my granddaughters who lives here in Florida came and joined us for that day. And we also had our granddaughter and grandson from Branson. So we had a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old that we're keeping up with. I walked 15,000 plus steps, according to my iPhone. <laughs> Yesterday morning when I got out of the bed, son, I was stoved up. I could barely move. And we uh, we went to Hollywood Studios, and I walked about 100 yards, and I, I, I said, I'm just going to have to sit down. And they went on to ride Rise of the Resistance without me. And my wife texted me and said, look, if it's going to keep us together as a family, run up front and rent one of them scooters. And so I rented one. I still walked 9,000 steps yesterday, but Ooh. I did rent a scooter for a little while just because – I couldn't keep up with them, you know, Right, right. They, they, they were just moving. And uh, but, so today we're not doing anything all day until we get to the, uh, the, we're going to the Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. And then, uh, and then tomorrow we got the whole day off and then we're going to do Thursday, Friday and then be heading home. So yeah, I'm war slap out. <laughs> Quick theater to the mind for folks that, you know, aren't going to be able to see, of course. Um, did anyone, at any point in time on park, give you a, a long look thinking that you may be Jack Black? No, um, but I, I did get uh, mistaken for Jerry Garcia, which is funny because he's dead. Um, I get, well, it is Halloween get, on park. And I also, yeah, um, I, you know, on my show, uh, Straight Out of Boogertown, went to the, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and I, I did a bit in there. I was wearing a tie-dyed shirt. And I had a picture, a video of me standing next to a picture of uh, Jerry Garcia. And I said, while we were there, many people re reported seeing the ghost of Jerry Garcia, but I never saw him. And <laughs> I was walking across the crosswalk in New York City earlier this year. And a guy goes, Jerry's dead. And we sure are grateful. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm not sure what that means, but okay. The other one I get mistaken for is, uh, uh, believe it or not, Russell Crowe. Okay. If you look at the picture of Russell Crowe now, he's got a he's got a he does beard he like does. Me, yeah. I and just saw. Color. <laughs> I just watched uh, the uh, Pope's Exorcist that he was in. It's a pretty good movie. Pretty good. I have to check that out. I well, believe it's on lot, Netflix. Man, this has been fun. Y'all, uh, y'all have to come on the the uh, Hillbillies and the Holler podcast sometime. We I'd would love to host an episode of you all. Yeah, and you yep. can also uh, visit me on TikTok as Meet Buford. I do Buford's Obscure Word of the Day. And all of October, I was doing phobias. I like that. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much, Buford. You are welcome. And you have a you great day. Have a good one.
two dudes who met back in college Nobody loved pop culture more So they started a podcast to talk all about it And 30 and Nerdy was born Oh, 30 and Nerdy was born You might hear them chat about shows like The Witcher Or movies like Lord of the Rings And if Josh has to choose, he is loyal to Marvel While Tyler goes more for DC Yes, Tyler goes more for DC Now come, come, one and all Nerd up or shut up, just answer the call To be part of our journey into magical worlds Join us and cheers to ya nerds Join us and cheers to ya nerds